The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. You can start building completely new concepts for payments that we've never thought of. Move the need for a financial intermediary to transact value. Bitcoin and the blockchain have an amazing future. This is going to transform society. Hey everyone, how's it going? I hope you're having a fantastic day. So a few weeks back, I wrote an article called What is Bitcoin? And it received quite a lot of support. Lots of people reached out to us asking further questions. So I feel compelled to, um, to create an audio version of it here for you guys on the podcast. So without further ado, let's begin. I'll begin by quoting the person or persons who created Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. Sorry to be a wet blanket. Writing this thing for general audiences is bloody hard. There's nothing to relate it to. Fortunately, I'm often asked what Bitcoin is. Actually, no, I'm often asked if Bitcoin is still a thing. Instead of struggling to repeat myself multiple times over, trying to explain this multifaceted act of remarkable genius in the most convincing way possible, I wanted to create a document that could answer the question, what is Bitcoin? After reading the last lines of this article, hopefully you'll understand what Bitcoin is better than you did prior to reading. And by the way, a quick caveat, throughout this article, I may refer to Bitcoin as BTC. But what I cannot do and refuse to do is tell you whether you should invest in the asset. An investment is entirely subjective. I believe Bitcoin has a future because what I've experienced, read and heard throughout the entirety of my eclectic life. My vision of the future may be wrong, but it is my judgment. And despite us swiftly transitioning into a dystopian Orwellian society where human rights are abused on the daily, no one can take that from me. A further nod to why we need Bitcoin. I hope you enjoy the read, or in this case, the listen. I certainly enjoyed writing it for you, and in this case again, reading it to you. I think it's imperative to open by clarifying that BTC is neither a get-rich-quick instrument nor a currency designed to enable the purchase of marijuana via the dark web. Ironically, the latter couldn't be further from the truth. One of the fundamental components that lays the foundation of the Bitcoin network is the time chain, which is more often referred to as the blockchain. Please refrain from adopting this marketing term promoted by profit-focused ICOs. The Bitcoin time chain is a transparent database that records the entire history of every Bitcoin transaction ever made subsequently making Bitcoin transactions traceable, not something you want when purchasing illegal narcotics. That is why you cannot cheat, hack, or deceive the Bitcoin network. Thousands of people have copies of the Bitcoin ledger history, and if someone tries to adjust something, all of these people will be alarmed and the infiltrator's attempt will be rejected, meaning that Bitcoin is tamper-proof. A DEA agent has even stated that he would rather criminals use BTC over a fiat currency like the US dollar as it is infinitely more traceable thanks to it leaving what we call a digital footprint. Next time you hear terrorists use Bitcoin, just laugh at the absurdity of that claim. Bitcoin is actually much more than that. It is a super commodity that outperforms gold in every domain of sound money, except for arguably the most crucial ingredient, an established history. Below is a chart detailing the desired attributes of hard money and how each asset scores for, each for every requisite. Now, for you listeners, this is going to be so 
impossible to convey. So what I urge you to do is go onto our Medium, which is medium at Crypto Authority, and then you'll see our article, What is Bitcoin? And have a look at the diagrams throughout this article, because although I may be being biased here, um, they really help me out, and I think they're, they're valuable additions to the article. In this piece, I hope to explain how the incumbent monetary system operates whilst touching on its flaws and then explore how a global economy powered by the Bitcoin network could promise generations of monetary prosperity, which is how every successful civilization that the Earth has seen has been able to flourish. I know a global economy run by Bitcoin may sound ridiculous now, but if this article inspires you to fall down the endless Bitcoin rabbit hole, you'll soon learn that this is no far-fetched idea, unless you're a die-hard and stubborn Keynesian. If that's the case, get in contact with us. We'd love to have you on the podcast. The monetary system which we have today. If you're too lazy or simply do not have the time to read the entirety of this article, or in this case podcast, then I've left a bulleted list of why Bitcoin has value at the end of the recording. But that's just for the weak and lazy. You aren't weak and lazy, are you? You may be surprised to hear that neither the US dollar, nor the euro, nor the pound sterling, nor the yen, nor the renminbi are backed by anything. No gold, no silver, not even Bitcoin. Fiat currencies have zero intrinsic value and their worth is entirely subjective. They are simply backed by the trust that we hold in governments and central banks to not fuck it up and cause monetary Armageddon. Christ, what a foolish thing to place your trust in. Yet miraculously, we all have for the past 50 years. We've been deceived into believing that the fiat system is righteous healthy and prosperous. Indeed, the 19th century was the first time when most of the world's nation converged on a single store of value, gold, which catalyzed the introduction of the gold standard. This period saw the greatest explosion of trade in the history of homo sapien life, but at the cost of unfathomable amounts of global debt. Again, on the article here, I've left a graph that shows the rate of growth of both GDP and debt since 1971 and in summary the growth of global debt has vastly outperformed the growth of global GDP. I think it, GDP growth since 1988 has grown 133% whilst debt growth since the same year in 1988 has grown almost 400%. Prior to 1971 the USD was backed by gold for every dollar created, the Federal Reserve would have an equal amount of gold stored in its vaults. Any bearer of the US dollar could redeem an equal amount of gold with their dollar holdings. But that deal no longer exists, thanks to the nefarious Nixon shock of 1971. The US government no longer wants to share its valuable gold. It wants to hoard it and provide its people with worthless pieces of paper and coins to transact with. This idea is further supported by the multiple occasions where state governments have confiscated the private gold holdings of its population. The most recent case in the US was only 86 years ago. This is why Bitcoin matters, but not to worry, we'll get to Bitcoin later. And here's a quote. World War I saw the end of the era of monetary media being the choice decided by the free market and the beginning of the era of government money. For thousands of years, man's money used to hold intrinsic value, made from gold and silver. But then time after time, central authorities in control of a nation's monetary system inevitably grow greedy 
and begin the process of transferring wealth from the proletariat to themselves by gradually reducing the gold and silver content in each coin. In essence, the rulers would seize the gold and silver coins in circulation and provide its people with less valuable coins, formed of more steel and copper, cheaper and less scarce metals. But if that weren't enough, countries all over the globe started to issue worthless pieces of paper in the hope that the public would adopt it as money. Unfortunately, we did fall for the trap, which is why we transfer value from one to another via pieces of paper notes. Two of the greatest empires ever seen, the Roman and the Byzantine empires, followed this strategy of a mass wealth transfer, and like many before and after them, it led to their demise. The Byzantine empire ruled for a thousand years. Nothing could penetrate the sturdy walls that protected Constantinople from its foes, except for their own irresponsible monetary policy. Here's another quote. Human civilization flourished in times and places where sound money was widely adopted, whilst unsound money all too frequently coincided with civilizational decline and societal collapse. What we have today is a worthless currency the governments can print at whim. When central banks opt to print more money, they're expanding its supply, which simultaneously devalues already existing money as it becomes less rare. This is inflation, it is why goods become more expensive every year that passes. For my British readers, remember when our good old Freddo chocolate bars used to cost just 10 pence back in the year 2000? Well, due to the Bank of England's decision to relentlessly create more money to solve the tragedies caused by the 2007 and 2008 financial disaster, they have made the pound less scarce and therefore less valuable. We now have to pay a disgusting 30 pence for a sole Freddo an increase of 200% in less than two decades. This is why alternative assets like real estate, stocks and bonds exist. If you were to store your pound sterling or any fiat currency in your bank and use it as a store of value, you'd be shafting yourself up the backside because the purchasing power of your wealth erodes every year. Again, this is inflation. In the year 2000, your 10 pence could have bought you a whole Freddo, but if you left your money in your bank account all that time, you could no longer buy a Freddo in 2019, but just a third of one. Fiat currencies are horrendously bad stores of values, which is one of the key components of what makes good money. Milton Friedman once said, inflation is taxation without legislation. And once again, here is another graph showing the supply of multiple fiat currencies, including the pound, the Japanese yen, the euro and the dollar. And what you can see is, since the year 2000, their supply has just grown exponentially. I think in the year 1990, there was less than one million or one trillion dollars of euros in circulation. That number is now at eight trillion. And that isn't even the scariest one here. I think the one that has grown the most has probably been the Japanese yen. But again, I urge you to go and check out the article because the graphs are a lot clearer if you um, if you witness them with your own eyes instead of me trying to describe them. So, to conclude my rant about the incumbent monetary system, the Federal Reserve, like most central banks, is neither federal, as it is a privately owned company, nor a reserve, after President Nixon's decision to decouple the pegging of gold and the US dollar in 1971. The power that is concentrated within the walls of draconian government agencies rarely ends well. If you reveal the truth like WikiLeaks did, or attend the wrong protests, 
or upset the government in any way whatsoever, do not forget that they can cripple your financial accessibility and ruin your life. The case for Bitcoin. So, Bitcoin. Is it a protocol? Is it a store of value and therefore akin to digital gold? Is it a digital currency that can replace the fiat system? Is it a PayPal killer? Or is it just a bunch of worthless numbers on a screen as Bitcoin contrarian Peter Schiff hails? The art of defining Bitcoin in a sole sentence is something that all believers in Bitcoin compete to do. And I think that this is my time to try and shine. Bitcoin is digital and endlessly consumer empowering money that is designed to let you store, send and receive it without any intermediaries burdening the, trans burdening the transaction. How was my attempt? Let me know below and if you think I should have mentioned something else or have a better definition yourself, get into contact with us as we'd love to hear it. Bitcoin was created just over a decade ago by an unknown person or persons that went by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto. To this day, no one knows who Satoshi is and he has been absent since late 2010. This was, of course, intentional. The core philosophy of Bitcoin is that it is not controlled by any person, any bank, or any government. It is decentralized, peer-to-peer, non-sovereign money. If I want to send you Bitcoin, it will depart my Bitcoin wallet and arrive in yours without the interference of any third party like PayPal or Santander Bank. It will surely increase the cost of the transfer, the time for it to process, the friction, and add counterparty risk to the exchange. They'll also remove you of your right to privacy. Under the fiat system, the empowered have complete surveillance over all financial transactions worldwide, thanks to the Financial Action Task Force. Whereas with Bitcoin, players are anonymized. So this next section is titled Scarce. Unlike fiat currencies that have an infinite supply, Bitcoin supply is capped at 21 million coins. If governments need to pay off a share of their debt to China, they cannot print more Bitcoin to fund their repayment. They have the same control as you and I do. Power is democratized to every participant in the Bitcoin network, which is why it's often described as decentralized and censorship resistant. Therefore, as more people choose to use Bitcoin and demand rises, price ought to rise in harmony because the threat of supply being expanded is non-existent. 21 million is arguably the greatest perk of the Bitcoin network. It is why Bitcoin is often coined gold 2.0. The race to acquire as many of the 21 million available coins has certainly begun. How are you faring? Another quote. Economists and journalists often get caught up in this question. Why does Bitcoin have value? And the answer is very easy because it is empowering, useful, and scarce. Another trade of Bitcoin is unconfiscatable. Owed to its democratized power structure, BTC is unconfiscatable, another tremendous trade of sound money, particularly for those who live in a country ruled by kleptocrats. In the past, wealth was stored at home, which was fortunately free. However, the security of this method is weak, as anyone can thieve it. Therefore, mankind decided to start storing their wealth with banks who could safely protect it. But due to their monopoly, banks can afford to charge astronomical fees for the service and are gifted a panopticon viewpoint of everything and every one you transact with. However now, an alternative has arisen where you can safely store your wealth privately 
with no additional cost, the Bitcoin wallet. There's no need to outsource the storage of your wealth to an invasive and sinful bank. Once BTC is in your wallet, it is yours and yours only. Consumer empowerment at its finest. To give an example, in 2013, the EU decided that in order to reduce banks' debts, every Cypriot savings that exceeded €100,000 would be seized and taken from their accounts. As such, many woke up the following day to see that their life savings had vanished overnight and many businesses were forced to file for bankruptcy. If humanity is striving for optimization, we should value and leverage Bitcoin's trait of unconfiscatability as much as possible. Protect your wealth or have it taken from you, as previously seen in countries like the US, Australia and Germany. Another trait of Bitcoin is that it boasts universal inclusion. Any person born is invited to use the Bitcoin network. The UN has estimated that two-thirds of adults worldwide still have no access to financial services and remain unbanked. But not because they can't be. Technology could definitely enable this. But instead, it's because they aren't welcome. Banks don't see how they can directly profit from offering services to this share of the population. It's that simple. That means that two-thirds of the adult population cannot transfer value over distances, join the globalised economy, store their wealth securely, and can't take out credit to fund a new house or agricultural machine that will help them in their fight to escape poverty. They are stuck in the rut. There are a billion people right now with no financial services but access to the internet who could use Bitcoin as an international wire transfer service. This could be extremely beneficial for the remittance market, which hosts $466 billion per annum from overseas workers sending money back home to their native country. In 2010, someone sent 300 million worth of Bitcoin across the world and incurred a daunting four cent fee. Just imagine the cost of that if it were carried out by a bank or money transfer provider who can take up to 1% to 5% of the transaction's value. In order to use Bitcoin, all you need is a device that can connect to the internet and you can be sure that your funds are as safe as can be thanks to the Bitcoin time chain. Advancements are being made to remove this internet requirement so that satellite connection is possible. That's another amazing trait of Bitcoin. It's open source, but I touch on that later. One may argue that the impoverished people of Earth cannot afford this, but with the cost of smartphones gradually decreasing every year to as low as $2 in some nations, this will eventually become an insignificant hurdle. Cypher Dean once said, the Bitcoin ledger of transactions might just be the only objective set of facts in the world. Another, another trade of Bitcoin is that it's borderless. You can access your Bitcoin funds in any country and spend them in any country for no extra cost. You won't have to worry about monstrous exchange rates when overseas. You can spend Bitcoin when buying coffee in Siberia, just as you could in Sub-Saharan Africa. Yet, if you take your British pounds to Siberia and nations within Southern Africa, you can bet you won't be able to spend your money there. No other currency boasts this trait, which again makes Bitcoin all the more unique. To summarize this section, Bitcoin is safe, easy, and cheap to store whilst remaining usable anywhere in the world. It is the first truly global money. So I mentioned it a bit earlier, but 
One extremely valuable perk of Bitcoin is that it is open source software. In other words, it is open to innovation and improvements. You think you can make Bitcoin better? Please do. We've seen this with the work of the team at Lightning Labs. In the peak of Bitcoin's popularity in December 2017, the cost of completing a single Bitcoin transaction soared to $40. However, as Bitcoin is open source, a group of developers working at Lightning Labs were able to provide a solution to the problem. They created an improvement which allowed for Bitcoin transfers to process instantaneously at a negligible cost. It's a globally inclusive network in terms of both design and usage. In contrast, fiat currencies are rigid and outdated currencies that are not open to innovation. I cannot explain the invaluable importance of open source technology better than Piotr Wow, this Polish name, I've never had to say it out loud, but it's Piotr Gaczkowski. Basically, in the link in the article, I've left a hyperlink. So if you're interested in learning about the benefits of open source software, you can find it there because he makes a great case for it. Do you not think that in a world where our cars, our light bulbs, our torches and our source of entertainment are all digital, it would be more efficient to have natively digital money? With the rise of the Internet of Things, we have to ask ourselves this question. Is it optimal for our smart devices to transact value one to another via an archaic fiat currency? Imagine a scenario where your smart fridge recognises a trend that you like to pop open a cold beer every night once arriving home from work at 8pm. But wait, it is Thursday and you have one more beer left. How will you enjoy your beer tomorrow night? The smart fridge recognises this and automatically purchases a pack of beers via Amazon so that it arrives in time. Yes, it is possible to use fiat currencies, but you'll have to include countless middlemen who will stress the transaction with increased costs, time delay and friction. Would it not be better to use natively digital peer-to-peer money that cooperates perfectly with these digital devices? No PayPal, no bank, no custodian, no no FX converter. In 200 years, we'll be racing around the galaxy in our Millennium Falcons. Do you really think that we'll be using tangible gold and cash to transact with one another? Another quote. The average user should pick up Bitcoin to experience the future of money, to gain a glimpse into an exciting technology, to learn about how money could be in the future, and also become aware of how limited money and banks are today. Bitcoin's key shortfall is that it's only been around for a decade, It has no reputable history of serving as an efficient store of value, whereas gold has been used by mankind for millennia. More optimistically though, let us look at what the Bitcoin network has achieved in just its first 10 years of life. Note, Bitcoin has no CEO, no board of directors, no marketing team, no business strategy, no raised capital, and therefore no agenda. Its fate is dependent on what we, the community, do with it. Now, despite that, in the last decade, BTC has been the best performing asset in the world and has grown over 250,000% and has enabled the ill-treated people in nations like Venezuela to store their wealth in a robust asset that hasn't suffered from exploitation and unearthly inflation. It has empowered your average Joe by granting him or her the ability to send value anywhere in the world over any border anonymously in just 10 minutes for a negligible cost, regardless of the amount being sent. 
and has allowed controversial yet wondrous companies like WikiLeaks to stay afloat. As what WikiLeaks is doing is clearly against the government, they have prohibited anyone to transact with WikiLeaks and have denied their access to participate within the global money network. The anonymity of Bitcoin and the fact that it's censorship resistant allowed WikiLeaks to take donations from their readers in the form of Bitcoin. For years, WikiLeaks stayed alive because of the generous and anonymous Bitcoin donations that readers gave. But still, I want to emphasize that Bitcoin is currently not, I repeat, not an efficient store of value. Its nascency makes it prone to volatility, which is in fact perfectly normal and seen in every scenario of creative destruction. In a hypothetical scenario where BTC gains traction and volume multiplies, the volatility it encompasses will fade away. The sole reason why Bitcoin fluctuates as much as the tide is because Bitcoin's market capitalization is only a fraction of something relatively stable like gold and is thus prone to market manipulation and fluctuations. Bitcoin's price volatility is a function of its nascency. Mapping the market capitalization of the above ground gold supply, approximately $8 trillion, to a maximum Bitcoin supply of 21 million coins at its cap tap gives a value of approximately $380,000 per Bitcoin. As of writing this, or reading this now, Bitcoin's trading for $9,000, 1,000 more than when I'd wrote this. My aim of this article is to introduce the concept of Bitcoin to others, not to convince them of it. That is for you to decide. Meanwhile, I'll be playing my small role in helping Bitcoin develop over the coming decades. Have a wonderful life and feel free to join me stacking sats every Saturday. So now the list or the summary of why Bitcoin has value. I've numbered these into just 13 points and if you have any more, please get into contact with me and let me know because I'd love to make this list as long as possible. So why does Bitcoin has value? Bitcoin has value as it can be used by anyone for free. Bitcoin doesn't discriminate. Second point, it can be used in any country for free, can be stored safely by anyone for free, can be transferred across the world in seconds almost for free, it's controlled by everyone and not a single authority, it is scarce, it is censorship resistant, it is open to innovation and improvements, it's unconfiscatable, it's pseudonymous, it's peer-to-peer meaning it's free from middlemen and the burdens they bring. It's verifiable. There's no fake Bitcoin, unlike fake gold and counterfeit money. And lastly, the market gives it value. This was written by Felix Yanez Balka throughout the weekend of 24th of May, 2019. If you have any questions whatsoever, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM Crypto Authority on Twitter or shoot me an email at felix.yanez.balka.com at gmail.com. Thank you very much and have a great day.